What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hi, I'm Justin King and welcome to the Blue Chip Academy. As a five-star recruit, all Big Ten corner, NFL vet, and Power 5 recruiting coordinator, I understand the emotions that go along with the recruiting process. The Blue Chip Academy is here to provide education, critical insights, and mentorship through the recruiting process for families and athletes alike. When athletes and their families have proper education and guidance, they're able to make better decisions and set themselves up for long-term success. Blue Chip Academy provides the resources and information that empowers athletes to create their own blue chip blueprint and take ownership of their careers. Blue Chip Academy exists because when athletes and their families are armed with the right information, they're able to make the decisions for themselves that positively impact their future. Again, I'll be your host, Justin King, and welcome to Blue Chip Academy. Welcome to Blue Chip Academy, the Blueprints of Success interview series, providing unique blueprints, tactical knowledge, and best practices to navigate the critical points in the football ecosystem so athletes and parents can prepare a plan to a career path that any athlete can bank on. Today, we have University of Texas wide receiver coach and past game coordinator, Brennan Marion. Brennan Marion from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, one of my friends. Um, as an outlier status, right? Good player, had a awesome career, has an innovative, bright offensive mind that's out there in the game today, went to Pitt this past year and transformed their offense with the emergence of Jordan Edison with the would-be Belitnikoff Award winner. He also led the offense, helped charge the offense to a top 10 finish in total offense, scoring and passing offense, and the creator of the go-go offense. You see this a lot of times with coaches, you know, when they have like that innovative mindset and different things like that, they don't always have the, the background of playing. But Brennan Marion was a, was a baller too. A 2009 graduate of Tulsa, uh, at Tulsa, Marion was a record-setting receiver for the Golden Hurricanes. In two seasons at Tulsa, he compiled 2,356 yards and 82 receptions on 19 touchdowns. He was a two-time All-Conference USA selection, 2007 Conference USA Newcomer of the Year. B. Marion set NCAA records for yards per catch with 31.9 in 2007, in 28.7 uh, the following year. And when I talk about guys being a one-touch guy, that's a one-touch guy. I mean, every time he's touching the ball, you mean 30 yards a, a clip, man. That's that's legendary status. So we like to welcome, man, my guy, B. Marion. There we go. Welcome to, the, welcome to the spot, man. Appreciate it, man. Good to be on. No, oh, awesome, man. Just gave you a little, little intro about you, man. But, you know, you had a unique view going through the football ecosystem, man. You came up as a multi-sport athlete, going to college, playing football, went the JUCO route, transitioned out, became a coach and everything. But we're going to take it, take it all the way back to your recruiting process. Well, not, oh, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. You've had a vast view of the football ecosystem as a coach, as a player, and all these different things. What's one piece of advice that you would give to any listeners or anybody wanting to get into the football business that they can bank on throughout the whole time as a player, coach, whatever the case may be? Uh, the biggest thing for me is you gotta you gotta love the game, and you gotta be able to navigate all the things that come with the game. You know, hard part for a lot of guys is they love just certain pieces of or what the game will give them. You gotta have unconditional love for the game, 
And then you got to be able to love those things you don't want to do too within the gang, the game within the game, right? You know, uh, to continue to progress within the game. So, you know, those are those are some of the things. The unconditional love for just the ball, you know, football, the guys, the camaraderie, but also you got to be able to love those things that you don't like about the game. That you know, maybe the fans you don't like that. Maybe you don't like the business part of it. You know, but those are also games within the game that you got to get you adapt to and adjust to, to continue to excel. That's, that's, that's a critical piece, man. Just loving the game and understanding the different things that you have to do to continue to build that up. So like as guys getting into it, man, if you're a player coach or whatever the case may be, understand like building up those skills as you're going along. Right. And like understand there's a love for it. There's a grind that goes along with this as a coach, as a player, as a ops guy or whatever the case may be. So let's jump into the recruiting process, a little, little uh, throwback pat, blast from the past. Uh, from, you know, Jugo player, top level coach, all that good stuff. How was your experience in your recruiting process? Uh, me as a player, I really didn't have a recruiting process coming out of high school just because I jumped around so many different schools. I probably went to five different high schools, so I never really got a chance to put my feet down anywhere. Uh, but when I went to junior college, I got the, you know, it was a unique experience as far as, you know, I, I led all junior colleges in the nation and stats as a receiver. So touchdowns, yards. So, you know, school started to come at me and really, you know, for me and recruiting male and a coach coming to see me really didn't mean much to me. So when schools would come, I remember a lot of different schools came out to see me, you know, Kansas State, USC, different schools, Cal would come back because I was in junior college, California, these schools would come and you know, a lot of kids get excited when a coach came to see them. But for me, it was like until they really put you on a plane, you know, spend money on you, like take right. you on a trip there. Like that's really when I thought my recruiting process started. You know, okay. maybe I was I was ignorant to all the letters and, you know, like that just wasn't my thing. You know, like I was a football guy. I wanted to see like the, the football field, the facilities, right. meet the players, you know. Yeah. So that's where where my thought process was at the time. So. Uh, the University of Tulsa was the first school to really fly me out there, you know, not just their, you know, put feet to faith. You know, they weren't just like talking to me. They were like, it was Thursday. They called me. And then I think Friday, the next day I was on a flight out there. Oh, wow. <laughs> and Who's I was like, OK, yeah, no, they serious. So they showed you that they were serious business about that. You know, and, and they were talking, you know, what I could do for them and what they could do for me. And I just felt like, you know, all right, this is the place where I want to be. You know, I could play right away right here, you know. And to me, that was the most important thing, being a junior college guy. I didn't want to go anywhere where I had to wait to play. Gotcha. You so let's say before you, before you decide to go to JUCO, right? Like you said, you didn't really have a recruiting process. And like now in days, guys are going through the recruiting process. And there's, you know, with the transfer portal and the way that the college landscape is, sometimes there's some good players that kind of miss the opportunity, get confused. Like, should I go back to reclass? Should I go D2 and do this? What made you choose to go JUCO? Like, did you have any questions about yourself? Did you know that you can play D1? Like, did you have confidence in yourself? And then where did the confidence come from if you were bouncing around and didn't really have a recruiting process? So that's interesting to me because a lot of guys get their confidence or kind of their wherewithal of how the recruiting process is going. But for you to say like, well, I'm going to go Juco and try to do this, obviously passion for the, for the game, but can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me was, you know, being in a football rich area, you know, we're from Pittsburgh, you know, you're being in a football rich area and seeing myself 
make plays against top guys and perform against top guys and be able to perform with them once I got to a school. Like I didn't even get to play a full year until my senior year of football. Oh, okay. You see what I'm saying? And then it's like, dang, I make all conference, Fab 22. I'm like, okay, yeah, I can, I can really do this. You know, and I'm seeing myself like, all right, these dudes can play. They go on D1, and I'm I'm making plays against D1 guys in football and basketball. And I'm like, okay, well, imagine if I actually train. Like, that was my first full year of training, my first full year of being in the school and the system. Like, if I do all the things and do the right – take the right steps, because, you know, there's an A to Z process, you know. Right. And for me, I really didn't have a process because I didn't play until my senior year, a full year of high school football. So I never really got a chance to live a process out. So I was like, man, if I could just, you know, go to junior college. And I started looking at some ones in Kansas. You know, my high school coach was like, you could go to Kansas. They got junior colleges with dorms. But then I had a friend who actually moved out to California uh, a couple of years prior to that. He got recruited to go to a school out there to wrestle. And he was like, man, I'm going to junior college because he only had an offer to BYU. And he was like, I'm not Mormon. You know, I don't want to go to BYU. Right, right. I'm going to bet on myself and go to junior college because I'll hear these junior college kids are getting recruited a lot. And I was like, all right, man, well, I'm going to check it out, too. You know, and so I started doing my research and the coach watched my film. He was like, oh, yeah, we'll definitely take you out here. <laughs> and so I was like, boom, bet I'm, I'm going out there and let's let's make it happen. And so as a freshman, I got out there on the junior college scene, really still learning you know, what position did I want to play? Because in high school, I was a corner, I was a receiver, but I was really new to the receiver position. You know how it is, literally, yeah. you play running back. If you're right. athletic, you know, you get the ball <laughs> and you run fast, you know, sure. really not knowing the receiver position, you know, and went out there, had a decent freshman year, had some family things happen where really didn't allow me to really live out that process that I wanted to, to go through. And so that next year, I just went all in. I'm like, I don't care what happens back home. I don't care what's going on. Like, I'm seven days a week training, going to school, focused. And obviously the results took off on the field. And, you know, that what led me to, to getting uh, to the University of Tulsa. Man, that's amazing. So basically your recruiting process got serious in JUCO. Like it wasn't yeah. even like a high school thing. So that just goes to show, you know, everyone's football journey. is the only coach, The only coach to speak to me in high school was Joe Moorhead. Because he had a – Joe Moorhead. <laughs> So he had a, uh, I think it's his sister-in-law or somebody worked at this high school that I graduated at Greensburg, Salem. Yep. And they were like, yo, this dude is killing up here. You know, so Joe was like, but my grades, you know, when you transfer so many schools, like I didn't have the right requirements that I needed to, to be eligible to go straight to division one. So, you know, junior college was much needed for me. I was blessed that, you know, there was a junior college opportunity at the time, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's big that you talk about transferring around a lot of schools because we see that now in the high school climate where guys are looking for that best opportunity, whether it's transferring to this school, doing this, leaving a whole year early and all yeah, those they, different it's things. It's normal now. You know, back then, you know, like yeah. you didn't transfer. You stayed at the same school like from sixth grade to, you know, like even if you transferred to middle school, it's kind of like, oh, he's 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 against right. the town. You know, like, against the, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, absolutely. It, it was kind of a weird deal. Now it's you know, they got systems for that. You know, now we know how to navigate that, get kids in online school, you know, like there's all types of ways to go around, circumvent the process. But yep. back then there wasn't that. It wasn't like you said, and it was moving around and you finally got your opportunity your senior year. You make it, make a splash, all conference, do that thing. What got you prepared? Were you a multi-sport athlete? Like, or how do you feel about multi-sport athletes? 
Yeah, for me, I mean, it was always football and basketball. Football and basketball. You know, when it's cold outside in Pittsburgh, you play basketball. <laughs> you know, I really didn't get into track. I, I really didn't get track till track until my senior year of high school. Gotcha. My, my track coach just kept telling my mom, like, he's fast. He needs to run. He's fast. He needs to run. Yeah. And I'm like, eh, I don't know about this track stuff. But I had cousins and stuff that, you know, w- were successful at track, went on Division One to run track. And I'm like, I'll try it, you know. So I tried track. I wasn't big into it, but I did decent at it enough to say, like, okay, yeah, I can, you know what I mean? But track is very technical. You know, it's not like <laughs> just go out there, run fast, jump high. You know, like, you got to actually have some technique to it. Right. You know, and uh, basketball, like I really I really thrived in basketball, had some D2, you know, D3 opportunities. I could have played junior college basketball as well. Um, We're talking about athletes. Yeah. You know, just always, (laughs) you know, you just always feel like basketball is that sport you love to play. You love the game. But it's like, I'm not really about to practice basketball, (laughs) you know. Like, it's not the same as football for me. You know, football was always, you know, football was always wifey. You know what right, I'm saying? And right. basketball was always like, all right, I'm, I'm bored. You know, we can go <laughs> here. So, you know, that's that's kind of how it always worked out. No, I got you. I got you. So when you went to, like, how informed were you when you decided to go to Tulsa? Like, I know you said they thought they were serious because they, they, they flew out there very soon. Like, throughout that process, like, what were you basing your decision on? Uh, really, they had I, I was blessed, man, that the coaching staff that they had there were, you know, Gus Malzahn, who's the head coach at UCF and been at Auburn and all those different places. He was a new offensive coordinator there. Mike Norvell was the receiver coach. who's the head coach of Florida State. Yep. You know, we had a lot of great coaches. Todd Graham was the head coach at the time. So they were like some young up and coming hungry coaches, you know, Bill Blanks, like different guys that. A lot of guys that went through there, you know what I'm saying, that are big-time coaches in football now, you know what I'm saying, that have really took off in coaching. And they were young and hungry at the time, like, man, you're going to come here, you're going to set records, you're going, we're going to do this and do that. And, you know, everything that they said we was going to do, we ended up doing, you know. And so I just liked the way that, you know, being a hungry guy and trying to prove myself, I felt like they were on the same page with, you know, typically you get the coach that shows you, like, his old rings Mm -hmm. and, you know, I won championships back in 1980, you know, like, and they were really giving me like, yo, we're going to get it right now. We hustlers trying to get it, you know, and at the time I was like, yeah, I'm vibing with that. You know what I mean? So, like, the, culture the, so the culture of the staff is what really kind of got you to, to the whole Tulsa thing. Like, all right, I can bang with these guys. Like they're coming with a different little different flavor and they're being about that. And I'm a receiver and they talk about throwing it out. You're talking about some offensive guys there. You're talking yeah. about going to so Tulsa. So it was on that type time, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, I, I'm... I'm rocking with this, you know what I'm saying? And I could I could tell by the way the roster, I was watching practice, you know, because the one thing that you're blessed with when you grow up in Pittsburgh is you, you got a football IQ, you know what I mean? Your football IQ is pretty decent from, you know, you watch football pretty much every day, football is life. And so I'm watching the guys work out and I'm like, okay, yeah, 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 I got, I got me. Like, I know I'm starting that receiver here, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I could tell, like, before I got there, I knew like, okay, I'm going to come here and really play, you know, right. so – I knew what they were selling me wasn't, you know, BS. I knew it was actually like fact that I'm going to come in here and play early. Okay, man. That's amazing. Like, what were you, were you thinking about your post football career when you decided to go to Tulsa? Like, did you think you wanted to be a coach? Um, I always thought I wanted to coach, you know, or, you know, my biggest thing was, you know, as I learned in coaching, as I grow in coaching, as I get older, 
my biggest value is that I bring the team together and I move us in a direction, you know, I'm a big culture guy, you know, so, but what I, what I, at the time, like my goal was just to open up a community center, you know, be it, help out with football, help out with basketball, just kind of be like big in the community, helping people see their dreams, like take off, you know, coaching. I knew I would coach, but I didn't know, like, you know, I didn't, I didn't ever think it would be at the level that I'm at now. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have that dream of like, you know, I'm going to be the next Bear Bryant or something. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't like my thought process at the time. It was just like, I'm going to use football to get me, you know, to the league. And after I'm done with the league, I'm going to open up community centers and help people, you know what I mean? Like see their dreams, realize their dreams and take off. So the mission was always becoming a dream or a dream maker, pretty much like helping with the kids, giving back to that aspect. That was always the purpose. And it just kind of God put that, that, you know, the coaching thing in your path and you kind of applied it there, even from, like you said, from the jump, not even going from there, always dealing with the youth kids because you started in high school, correct? In coaching? Yeah. So I started coaching off in high school, but really like this guy did a story on me the other day when I came to Texas and it was unique from the standpoint when I went to junior college, I transferred. So my first junior college, it didn't work out, right? Okay. I went to another junior college down the street, like 30 minutes away, 20, 30 minutes away. And so before the season started, I had this coach, like this dude was getting me recruited by like USC, like the whole Pac-12, like this dude was on it, Coach Mitchell. This was, 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 this, was this the first JUCO or the, the second? Sec- the second junior second college. Okay. So I'm like, yo, this dude is live. Like he's getting me looks like, like this is, this is where, where it's going to be. And so I think it was about like May, like right when spring ball ended, he took another job and left. And, and cause like, think about this, like we didn't have a coach until we didn't have a coach until August till camp started. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I was basically like the head coach of the team. Cause I was the dude that was up there every day. Like right. I was training, like I was on my, like, so I'm recruiting kids from other junior colleges. Like, yo, we need to have a good team. You didn't really, I'm looking up dude's stats in the library. Like, yo, you ain't really play at your school, but I saw your high school stats. You was nice in high school, but you ain't really, you ain't really play a lot. What? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like the transfer portal before the transfer portal. I'm in the D, I'm trying to find, you know, I'm on, what was back, MySpace. I'm on MySpace. And the dude's like, yo, come over here and mess with me. Like, come to practice, check it out. You can play over here. Right. So I'm so I'm getting dudes, like, I'm on that type of time. I'm getting dudes over on my team. Like, all right, we're going to load this team up. We're going to win. You know what I mean? I'm on some <laughs> roster. So that's how I'm getting kids to come over. And we having practices. Like, I'm running practices. Like, I'm running the seven-on-seven, the one-on-ones. All right, let's hit the weight room. Let's get this workout in. Now, just to be clear for the like, how at what, at what age are you at this point? I'm what 18? 18. 18. So you're like I'm talking player coach. <laughs> yeah. yeah, player president. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so I'm like, I'm on it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm I'm getting these dudes right. And then we finally get a coach like right before the season start. And he came with some wing T type stuff. I was like, nah, dog, we West Coast, pro style. Like, we throwing that thing. All right, we got. I'm telling them who the personnel is. I'm like, we got a nice dude over here at receiver from Hawaii. We got, we got this running back over here from South Carolina. I got over here. You know what I'm saying? I'm like yeah. giving them the breakdown. I'm like giving them the scout report. The whole thing. I mean, that's a, that's yeah. a unique experience. Like even from like, cause it's like you're gaining both, 
you know, dual experiences when it's like, all right, I'm, I'm learning to play. And then it's like, all right, the leadership aspect, understanding the things with coaching, because like that's a big difference. Sometimes I think players don't understand it's like there's a difference between being a coach and a player and that that transition. So overall, what was the best part of the recruiting process for you? Because that that seems like I mean, you had some pretty unique experiences going to JUCO, switching to JUCOs, having that experience with the coach leaving and you having to kind of man the team as a as a coach. Like and that people know that JUCO life does get different. So like his story. It's not, you know, it's not it's not too crazy, but yeah. he did it. And it's like, what was the best part? I say the best part is when 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 I seen the coming to fruition, getting a scholarship to Tulsa. But then, I, you know, the best part is like when Tulsa gave me that scholarship and I accepted it and said I was going there. Right. The best part was them seeing it through. Like I was not there yet. I was not a finished product. You know what I'm saying? I still had to pass like. Whew. Boy, I had to pass like 60 some <laughs> units to get there. You feel me? So right, like right. they really had to like work with your boy. Like they was yeah. really like Norvell called me every day, like counselors, mouths on, like they was on it. Okay. And I think that part of that process really created that trust with us and that loyalty where when other schools was like, you know, you signed after the signing day, you could change and come over here to, you know, Arizona State, you could come here. Bigger, better schools, you know, better opportunities. Um, I really stay loyal to the fact that they really were about their word, you know, about getting me there, about helping me get to the, you know, get me in the right classes, seeing that I was able to get there. So, you know, that was that was one of the things that I really, you know, appreciated, you know, that that loyalty part of it, because you see it now. I mean, there's kids that stay committed to a school for so long and you're like, damn, how did that kid stay and it's because coaches are really behind the scenes, like pushing and pulling the situation with parents and students, like trying to make sure that they they really accomplish their goals. And that's a coach's job, you know, to, to, to help that kid drive to where he wants to go. And so, you know, that part of it was special to me from that standpoint. You know, I, I'm looking for, you know, as we have children and, you know, they come up, you know, my son's recruiting process one day. I hope there's a coach out there like, yo, get this class right. Do this right. You know, right. Stay on top of it, you know, and create that loyalty because, you know, there's not a lot of loyalty in football right now. That's that's so true, man. I hold the holistic aspect that he's talking about. What's the worst? What was the worst part? I say the worst part is the. When you go to junior college, just saying from a junior college perspective, my perspective is different. Um, everybody has a different viewpoint. A lot of people go um, through JUCO, though. Yeah. Leading being the leading receiver in JUCO and having like the top stats and all that stuff and you know and it was just like slow i'm like dog i just said we played like the number one team in the country i remember the first week of the season i had like 200 yards and three touchdowns people asking like is he good enough but like, <laughs> I'm, I'm out here cooking boy you know what I mean? right, like, right 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 yeah you know and, and i and i feel kids when they get frustrated when the recruiting process starts off slow and then boom you get that one offer and then everybody's like, uh, but you're the same kid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the same kid. That was, that was the same guy. You Man. know what I'm saying? So that part of it, I don't like, whereas the wait and see who offered first. Mm-hmm. And if you follow my coaching career, I've always been the guy to offer first from that standpoint. Cause it's like, if I believe a kid is talented, like I don't need nobody to tell me like, Oh yeah, he's talented too. Like, I, you know, like that part, I just don't like that part of wait and see 
you know, it's like if the dude can play and you believe he can play and he's special, like he's special. No, that's one of the most innovative things that you always did, man. When, when you, as soon as you jumped into the college game, it was like wherever you were, you were offering the best players. Because like somebody that was in recruiting, you would see it. Because like typically the best players maybe not get how like might not get a HBCU offer. This was before you know Dion was doing everything, but it was like oh Howard Hart offered this top guy. Howard offered this top guy. He started leaving. like oh that's Big Mary offered all the top dudes just to let them know like. He's nice. I'm offering him. He's like offering everybody, like the top nice cats that were young. And like you said, before the, some of the big schools were. Now it was like, oh, he's on it. <laughs> he's on it going around. So if for like a parent or player, what's one key takeaway that you could share with them to like better equip themselves going just through the specific recruiting process? I think you gotta, I think you gotta be devoted to the work. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of the times I tell kids, like, don't believe in your talent. I heard Nick Saban say that. Don't believe in your talent. Just believe in your work ethic. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're really putting it in and you're really getting to it, like, that opportunity is going to come for you. You know, and a lot of times the, people wear themselves out, like, going to so many camps and so many plate. Like, you trying so hard for somebody just to look at you. Right. And exposure is important, but the measurables and the like that's what get you know you've been in a personnel room like the measurables and the performance is what's going to take out like the production you know what i'm saying like a kid could go to 28 camps if he run a four or nine it don't <laughs> matter you know what i'm saying like it don't matter you know what i mean but if he goes to to one camp and he runs a four four or a four five it's like and he produced he had a thousand yards or something you're like Boom. And you could have just found him like three weeks before signing day. But if he got the measurables <laughs> and the production, it's going to it's going to work out. You know what I'm saying? And that's the part where these families get so stressed out. I don't like see me, see me, see me. But if you don't have your academics in order, your your measurable, like your 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 a tangible resource, you know what I mean? And your production, like it don't it don't matter about how many people have seen you. Absolutely. You're taking us right into the next segue and us to the next section was you recruiting as a past game coordinator and receiving coach at University of Texas. So you've been different places, right? So you were at University of Texas, you're at Pitt, you're at uh, Howard, you know, William and Mary, uh, different places. What's the main trait that catches your attention when recruiting players since you've kind of seen them at all different places and being from Pittsburgh, just your baseline is different from most places. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, I think the 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 biggest thing that I look for that's different from most coaches is a kid's story. I think people's story is very important to me. I mean, obviously, you know, we're all looking for the next Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham, and you know, what I mean, we're all yeah. looking for that, and you can see that. You know, you can see the speed, the the height, the weight. You can you can see those things. You know what I mean? Like you can. You, but there's those things where you can know a kid is going to be successful. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm recruiting Jay King when, when Jay King was coming out and he was like, man, this is going to be the top class in Penn state. This is my class. We going to be great. Like, like a kid that got like that message, that movement, like he got a passion in his heart. Like, yo, I'm really about to do something, do something special. You know, those are the kids that I try to find because I know no matter what happens on the field or what, with the situation, I know they're going to keep pushing through and working and, and they're going to live out that that dream that they said out loud, kids that can articulate their plan and their story. And they're serious about they're serious. Like they'll play around and have fun, but it's like, okay, it's time to work now. Like I'm serious. That's, that's you know, so big. I think that's, what... that's one thing that's, 
that's really critical that's missed. It's like you could, yeah, he jumped fast and run high, but he don't know which way he's going. It don't matter. You know what I mean? He don't know. He don't even like football. He don't even got a plan for football. Oh, I just play. How many, how, how rare does that work out? I mean, every once in a while you have a kid that that works out with, but you can't build your roster on kids that don't really love the game and have a, have a real plan in their heart for what they're trying to do. That's so big. Trying to see what, how people are taking, man. Like what's the main trait? Like, what are you, what's your makeup? He's talked about your story. What's your why? Like, why are you doing this? What are you, what are you, like you're trying to get something from the university and the university needs something from you. Like we're, we're trying to figure out the pixels. It's like, everyone has a picture and I try to tell them throughout the recruiting process. It's like, are you filling out the pixels to fill out a clear picture for a coach to put his salary on the line for you? Like to be able to move to this next line. Cause like, there's an aspect of them know, needing to know which value they need to produce you know, to the coach that's bringing them into these situations. Like you said, the situation that you went through in Tulsa was so beneficial because those coaches said, hey, we're going to do this for you. And but you held up your end of the bargain, you know, 30 yards a touch. That, that, that makes all those coaches when they're where they're at now should be thanking B. Marion for, you know, those 30 yard touches. So just to say, you know, like understanding what how people take. And that's interesting that you said at the beginning, the love for the game, right? That, that thing that you kind of try to identify Man, that's big. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but how important are the size and speed standards when recruiting? Say it again. How important are the size and speed standards when you're recruiting? Um, for every coach, it's different. You know, for me, my biggest thing about speed is when a guy gets the ball, right, does he get to the end zone? Or when a guy does not have the ball, can he beat the guy to get to the, you know, like it's just trying to find like how, you know, every guy is different, right? There's guys that are ball in hand guys, right? You know, he gets the ball and and he's and he can take off. Right. Then you get a guy who like me, I can beat you on a route. I can beat you, you know, quarterback, throw the ball as far as you can. And I can track the ball and I can go get it. That's how, that's how my speed was, was, was used. Right. So everybody has a different speed that they, they play the game at. If I'm watching a defensive guy, does he speed up when he gets closer to the ball? Like, does he accelerate into the hit? You know, just looking at how do they use the speed, right? Because, you know, we've seen guys with good track times, but that doesn't necessarily translate to when they have pads on or when they have the ball in their hand, you know, just trying to figure out how does that speed translate? I like track guys. I think it's important to run track. You know, but I, I got to see how that speed translates to on the field. How does that speed translate to on the field play? And and what type of speed do we want from that guy, right? We need some ball in hand guys and we need some guys that can separate. We need two different types of speed at different spots. You know, so I, I think that's important. You know, I think you can't just get enamored with, okay, that's a really fast car. But like I said, that fast car might not know which way to run or that fast car might not be able to catch the ball when the ball comes to him, you know? So those, those things matter. There's a lot of things that go into that, but I think you have to be able to evaluate speed and how, how the speed is used and where the speed is needed at. I think speed is needed at every position. You know, you want to have a fast team. Okay. But on top of being fast, I think the biggest thing that I look for, if you look at any great football player, what do we love about football? It's a violent game. Here we go. (laughs) You know, are guys accelerating in the cuts? Are they accelerating in the people? Are they people, accelerating yep. with their hands? I mean, or do you see them violently stick their foot in the ground? You know, like 
that's what I like. I like I like some violence out there. Let me see some. Let me see how you know what I mean. Keyword so, violence, man. You talk about this game being violent. You talk about football temperament is a real thing. So that kind of you like you're you're bringing it up. We talk about size and speed standards because like the next question was. What combination of pixels or details do you need to feel comfortable offering a player? For example, like GPA, speed, background, film, like kind of their story or their family makeup, a little bit into that thing, like more of a holistic evaluation. Yeah, I mean, that that holistic valuation is different at each place. I think every place is unique. Um, you know, some places your academic scores really don't matter because we can find a way to make it happen. Um, some places when I was at William and Mary, I mean, I couldn't even look at you if you didn't have the academic standard, you know, so I might love you. I might be like, yo, this dude is the one that's going to change our life. Like this is the next, you know what I'm saying? But if I can't get you in the school, it it doesn't matter, you know? So it's like, I got this menu over here that I can look. This is like, it's like when you went to eat with grandma when you was a kid and she said, all right, you can look from this. This is your price range right here. You see what I'm saying? And this is where you got to stay in, stay in your lane over here. You feel me? So, right. you know, you just got to know where you're at and what you're and, and, and my biggest thing is, you know, recruiting guys, you know, they all, everybody's like, yeah, I got this guy. But my, in my mind, it's like, what is our six to six degrees of separation to get that guy? Cause for me, it's like, don't bring up a whole bunch of guys that we have no chance to get. It's about get ability. Are we able to get that guy that when we like his academics and we like his, size and we like his speed and we like his story and everything matches up are we able to even get to the dinner table to be able to speak to this guy and, and get him on campus and and be able to you know what I mean wrap him up and, and, and get him because you know it's like you just shooting but you, you know you want to make the shot you know Absolutely. what I'm saying we want to win and so you know, you got to be able to get those guys, too, that you evaluate, that you like, that you like, all right, I, I love everything about this kid. I think he has what it takes. But now who's going to get us in the door to get this guy, you know, and, and have a chance? And sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll be able to get some, you know, I remember one time we were at William & Mary and we had just got there. And so we had got like these three freshmen that were just like, like, how the heck did they get to William & Mary? You know, and it was just like. I was a former high school coach and I had some high school connections and the guy was like, Hey man, he's really not feeling such and such school. You're over there now. I'm gonna help you out. Right. You know, and it's stuff like that, that, you know, it is a people business, you know, this is not, you know, although we do a lot of things on computer and technology is important, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you got to be able to touch people, reach people, and they feel like, okay, yeah, I can trust to send him over there with you so you're not an opportunity to get that player. So a lot of things go into recruiting that people don't understand. There's a lot of there's a lot of little segues and segments <laughs> that's like, how did he get there? You know, how did he get where? How are they recruiting him but not recruiting me? And it's like, okay, I'm at William & Mary. He has a 3.5, and you have a 2.7. They won't even look at a 2.7. So you might be better. Your parents might be right. You know what I'm saying? But the 3.5, I can get him. I can mess with him. Or, you know, sometimes kids think, because I made all conference and all state in, let's say, Iowa. And they took a kid on a Florida team who was the third string kid. And yeah. the kid from the Florida team that was third string ends up going to the league. The kid from Iowa has a, has a good career. He's a good player. 
but it's not the same. You know, it he his the two people in front of him went to Miami and they went to Florida State. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So there's a lot of things that you, you as you know, a lot of and things you're playing a developmental curve because you're talking about a maturation yeah. process, but no, the stuff that you're talking about is good because you know people might hear it from me, but they need to hear it from coaches and when you're getting recruited and what, what you're looking for, your past game coordinator, receiver coach at the University of Texas. So these guys are out here, you know, across the country to pipe dreams or to play at a place like UT in Austin, get out there and, you know, win a national championship and all that good stuff. So it's good to hear those different aspects and how they're being evaluated because it's one thing you go take a test, but like, if you don't know what the answers are, like, or what to, what to prepare for, it's like, what's the point? So like even getting to that, I think, going to camps are important. So like how important is a camp performance to a kid, kids chances at playing at a power five school? I think they're, I think they're very vital. I think if you have, if you've already got the coach's attention, for example, right, you've gotten some attention. They've, they've reached back and forth. They responded to you. They've sent you to camp. Sometimes it's, you know, if you're a kid in the area, sometimes it's like, dang, man, they just invited like 500 kids to camp. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's like, how do I, how do I go find my niche somewhere? Like you got to find where, okay, like, all right, this is the roster. This is, this is what I can do. And what can I do to stand out at a camp? I think a lot of times it's like anything, you got to make an impact when you go to that camp. You know, you, you know, the, the guy who's already committed to the school, he can show up late. You feel me? Right. The guy who, it's trying to even just get looked at by the school. You got to be there early. You got to be shaking hands. You got to be, it's an interview, you know? And I think a lot of times like kids don't understand that. Like I went on my visit to Tulsa. This is a true story. I didn't have a suit at the time, right? I'm in junior college. I don't got a suit. I got white teeth. You know, I'm, I'm just a normal junior college kid. You know what I'm saying? I don't got no, I don't got suits and stuff like that. I borrowed a suit from my offensive coordinator in junior college. I went to Tulsa in a suit and tie. That's what I'm talking. I'm trying to get the deal done. <laughs> Try business, man. Try to sell business, man. Try yeah, to sell you know, the deal. Like a lot of times, these kids is like happy to be there. You not you not there for the photo shoot. You there to make an impact. You trying to get you trying to get paid. I mean, this is two hundred fifty thousand dollars on the line. You trying to get seen and get remembered. Like it's like I tell these guys all the time, dudes. Cause they think I'm the next up and coming. I'm going to be the, you know, the black head coach and all this. These dudes just drop me off business cards all the time. I'm like, I don't know your name. I'm not calling this card. Like <laughs> when you meet me, you got to make an impact. You got to make me go like that dude's special right there. That mm-hmm. dude's going to be somebody. Right. You see what right. I'm saying? I don't ever carry a business card. I don't have no business cards out. That status. Yeah, that status. <laughs> you know I'm saying like, like my man said, money man, I'm a I'm a walking business. I said hey. LLC. Like it's me. Like when you see me, like I'm making an impact. And it's the same thing with these kids. They go places and they go to camps. And it's it's important to be, you know, like I know everybody wants to get the video shoot and all that, but you're there for a specific purpose. And you got to go there and serve that. You got to find a way to get to the head man, make an impact. All the position coaches, you got to have the coaches when that when you leave, like, yo, we need to offer that kid. You see that kid? Man, his hand shit, like he was good eyes. He was vibrant. Like he he balled out, man. He was at the front of the line. He was, you know, he was different, man. Like, 
you know, I remember it was kids that I saw in camp that I couldn't get an offer to, but there was other coaches there. And I'm like, yo, come see this kid. Like he's off the chain. We, we take, we, we fool right now, but y'all can get him. Like y'all need to go get. And a kid ended up going to a play. You see what I'm saying? And it's like the connection in the football community is a lot smaller than it looks. We're a lot closer than we appear. You know what I'm saying? Like, and we might see a kid and be like, yo, I'm going to call my man down the street. Like when you was at Penn State, you know what I'm saying? You at Penn State, you call Temple. Like, yo, Temple, y'all might want to come get this kid. We can't take him, but he came up to our camp and he made an impact. All the time. And so, so many times it's about that. Like you're going for a job interview, not to hang out. You got to know, you got to, but the hard part about that is that self-evaluation. You know, you got to look in that mirror and know who you are. Who am I? What is my worth? What am I capable of? And what am I willing to do, you know? And so a lot of people have, uh, they struggle with, with finding that, you know what I'm saying? Like, just because your cousin is LeBron James don't mean you LeBron James, but you could be like Rich Paul, you you know what I mean? You could be somebody on a team that's getting money too. That's right. You just, you know, everybody has a different role in that structure. And so you just got to find out who you are and who's going to like you. You know, I like who likes me, who's going to like me, who's going to value me. And then that's where I'm going to go and try to make an impact and, and do what I can do. And I think it's good too to camp at a bigger school. You know, like I remember when I went to the Penn State camp, that gave me like some confidence. Like, yo, I'm at the Penn State camp. My man Jay King ran me over to these drills with some better guys. And I'm competing with these dudes. Like, I'm really lit. I'm up here living against these four and five. Like, I'm really over here. Right, getting, right, getting right. Getting to it. So I'm like, okay, I went back. That gave me confidence. Like, yo, you could really do this, dog. Like, really start working hard, you know, like get serious about this. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that's important too. You gotta, you know, like I'm at Texas now. People are like, man, you went to Texas? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wanna go to the biggest bat. Like, you wanna go to to be the best, you gotta go see, like, yeah, I wanna go work at Alabama and go work for the you know, Patriot, you know, like you want to see like, what does that feel like to be at the highest level if you're a true competitor, you know what I'm saying? And and sometimes I think that's important for kids to do too. Now, not too many of them, Mm -hmm. right? Because you're going to keep going to places and get your heart broke because you're not going there, right? But you could go to those places and then be like, all right, well, I'm a dog. Here we go. And now with the portal, like you could go prove yourself at an FCS, D2, group of five, ball out, go crazy, like at, at Texas, we just took a receiver from Wyoming. Right. He had a thousand yards at Wyoming. Group of five school. He proved his worth. He's a Texas kid. Now he's at Texas. Now he's at the show. Now he's at the show. A, you see the what I'm landscape so of now, college football. And so there's so many avenues on how you could, but you gotta be, you gotta be business minded. You gotta go in there with a plan. It can't just be some. I'm going to just go every school and take a picture because coaches know when you're doing that, you know, coaches ain't stupid. They know the guy who came in there and made an impact mm-hmm. and really serious about his dream and goal. That's big. Go to camp and make an impact. Don't just show up to just, I came to camp. I got this invite, go run, compete, go against other campers, like iron sharper iron and do that whole thing, man. Cause in camp at bigger schools, like you said, if you, if you're not, a fit for that school coaches talk like they want to coaches do want to see you guys get opportunities man it's just not at my expense you know what i mean that's what you guys got to recognize like it's a business there's a level of there's other coaches that may be fit for your skill set or another university that's fit for your skill set but get into those bigger schools make an impact get to that head coach man and make an impact you heard him 
So the most, I mean, I guess making an impact is what you want to do. So what's the most costly mistake that you see most pros, most prospects make going through the process? Um, I think the biggest thing is they forget about the work. Get about the work. You know, they start to love getting recruited, you know, and it's like, you know, I always thought, you know, it's, it's you're married now. You know, there was a time where, where I was married as well. And, you know, when you're going through that process where you really meet somebody, you're like, yeah, I really, this might be my one. You know what I'm saying? You might have had a two or a three, but then you saw like, yo, this is one. Like, I'm going to stop playing around and messing around and get serious about what I'm doing. And I'm going to get back to work and do what I need to do every day. And so, like, a lot of these guys, man, they just, you, you can't date 20 people, you know, like, you, you're trying to just get recruited all day long. And while you're doing all that, while you're going to this school, flying here, talking to this coach, what are you not doing? You're not working. You see what I'm saying? Yep. And it always comes back to the work. You're going to always have to get back to the work at some point. You're going to have to circle back to that work. You know what I'm saying? If you want to get where you want to be, or you're just going to be a guy. How many times is it have we seen a five-star, a four-star go to a school, and you're like, damn, I thought that dude would be. Because he forgot about the work. He started enjoying everything that came with football and not the work, not the love of the game, not the unconditional love of the game, the work that – the, the the camaraderie. I love when kids say, coach, I'm shutting down my recruiting for a little bit. I'm going to focus on my team. I'm working right now. Like I'm, I'm locked in. I love that. That's it. You know, because yeah. to me, that's telling me like, yo, this dude's focused. Like he's understanding what, what's important. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, even it, it happens at all levels. It's like when you realize, you know, when you're a college player, you're like, oh, I'm about to get drafted. Like these agents are starting to meet me. Oh yeah, they calling me now. Like money's like, coming. Oh, yeah, that, that check coming. My bag up. I'm about to get my. You know what I'm saying? And then you like, you can either what? You can start going on all these extravagant. You know, all these agents trying to take you places, and you like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm feeling myself. Or you can just keep doing the work, and and let the process play out. So I think that's the thing that hurts kids the most is they get away from that work. They start loving the recruiting process, whether it be them or their parents. Parents can love the recruiting process as well. That's true. That goes into- what, what got you and your kid hot was the work that y'all put in. Keep the main thing the main thing is what he's saying at the end. Keep the main thing the main thing. You're to play ball, get your, get your degree, maximize your career. Like degree, just the, that's the baseline. Yeah, I mean, that's not the, you know, everybody makes that the top of the mind. That's the baseline of what you're getting. Like, maximize this opportunity that's in front of you. But like you said, work and keep the main thing the main thing. There's going to be different distractions, grown men coming, you know, the different uh, facilities, the the, the all the husband trophy, all the different things that come with the recruiting process. Parents, too, because that kind of goes in to the next question, you know, of keeping the main thing the main thing. How much does a family's how much does a kid's family go into the evaluation process? You talk about a kid's story or their why. Like, say he's just kind of going left, but you kind of see, like, his environment is like, man, he's just going a little left, but his environment, man, he could be going completely left. This is this is actually pretty good. Can you talk me to talk to me a little bit about evaluating a kid's you know family structure or situation? For me, I'm a big, uh, you know, I don't like to cut the village off. I think the village is important. I'm a high school head coach at heart you know I still feel like I'm a high school head coach in my mind um so for me that village of who surrounds the kid is important um 
And I think sometimes a kid does not have a great village, but a kid always has that one person that kind of keeps them right. There's somebody that's getting that kid through that A to Z process. Majority of the time, 99% of the time, there's one person you can find that's really, you know, championing that kid. And I think it's important that you're on the same page, you're aligned. You know, when you get aligned with that person and you start getting that process of how do you get to the college? Right. How do you thrive when you get to the college? Because this is not we're not in a survival business. You know, this is a thriving business, college football, you, you know, especially the power five level, as you know. So you're not trying. This is not a halfway house. This is not a rehab clinic. This is not, you know, will you help people? Yes. You're trying to help people and grow them and, you know, all those types of things. But at the same time, when these kids come here, they got to have a plan to succeed and get better because what got you here is not going to keep you here and you're going to continue to grow. So when you're speaking to whoever's championing that kid, whether, you know, I had a kid, Jordan Edison, who won the Blitnikoff. I mean, he had mom, he had dad, he had sister, he had stepdad, he had, I mean, he had a huge circle and they was at everything. And I could speak to all of them and they was all like, yeah, let's keep them right. Let's be on them. Da, da, da. You know, like everybody was on it. And mom was really the champion and it was good. I liked that. I, I liked that they kept that communication line open. If, if he was sluggish one day at practice, mom, get him right. Da, da, da. He, boom, and mom would call him and boom, we'd be on it. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think that's important. Now, there's some kids who don't have that. And then as coaches, that's your job. You got to step up and champion that kid. You know, and not every coach is willing to do that. Some coaches don't want to deal with high risk, high reward players. You know, sure. but I think if you want to be great, right, if you want to be the best team, right, that's you got to be able, that's your job. You got to have some psychology to you. You got to have some big brother or dad or uncle to you to, to move that kid in the right way. Now, is every kid, you can't save everybody, right. you know what I'm saying? But the kid who has a plan and is thinking like, yo, coach, I'm going to do what you said I need to do and I'm going to get right. You're willing to go out there and, and, and get that done. So, you know, that village is important. Some people don't have that village and then coaches got to step up and champion that and champion that for the kid. That is a that's incredible, man. That's important, man. Having that village, having that tribe around them, and always having that one person that's there. And like for high school coaches or coaches in general that in the in the in the industry, like if that if the kid doesn't have that support, and you see that that's that's there, you know, for you to step in, like that's, that's so incredibly important. And that's like that was said, couldn't say it any better. What year do you typically feel comfortable offering a scholarship, or like what does it take for you to offer a ninth grader, tenth grader, eleventh grader? the process as soon as i see it what is it it, it is just when you're like hold on let me see that play again hold <laughs> on. did he just do hold on what did he do <laughs> run that back run that back run it back let me see that play one more time <laughs> boom and then it's like and, and and so what i tell kids all the time the offer is the initial that's that's hello i see you i like you i'm 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 feeling what you're doing, but we need all this to come together so we can seal the deal, finish this contract. You know what I mean? Like put this all together in place. You know, I think the the good thing about the offer is it brings exposure to the kid. It gives the kid a mindset of I, I can't make it. Now nah, I see myself going there, you know, those type of things. But sometimes the offer can hurt the kid because then it's like, OK, I made it. But you haven't made it off of an offer. It, you know what I'm saying? The offer is just 
you know, I, I had 10 jobs offer me a job and, you know, there's an expiration date on all those, you know, you got so much time until you can really cash in on that offer and you can make that offer better by how you perform. Uh, Right. And who else is offering, you know, you know what I'm saying? But I'm comfortable with that offer. As soon as you see it, as soon as you see like, okay, this dude has the measurables. He has his film is jumping off the charts. He has, when I called the coach, Oh, he works like that in a way. Okay. Yeah. Boom. And then I go and see it and it's, it's verified, verified information. Trust what you can verify. Once you can verify, you're like, okay, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's big, man. I understand. He said, once you have that piece and it's like kind of jumping off the screen, jumping off the screen, it does something that's kind of wild putting you in that top 2% at the end of the day. That's kind of the guys that play in power five is less than 2%, 7% go and play college less than two go D one, but you get into that power five elite aspect it has to, it has to jump off of jump off of the tape, regardless if you're a ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade or 12th. And it's a kind of a sliding scale depending on, where you're at the whole time. You know what I mean? So it's a, that's pretty, that's, that's a pretty amazing way of doing it. We're going to do a little quick read here. So I'm going to hold you off for a quick second. Uh, One second. So this episode of the blueprint to success interview series is brought to you by LIG sports group, where we provide Behind the scenes expertise with innovative approach to football operations at LIG Sports Group. Our mission is to equip our clients with intel, guidance, and strategy to master the critical points in the business of football. Critical points in football are complex, often unsupported, and require advice, expertise, and knowledge. They can determine the future of a player and team. LIG Solutions equip clients with an in-depth understanding of the most critical aspects of the business and football and the football world, maximizing opportunities for success and advancement and longevity. Today's service is brought to you by the recruiting and football business masterclass using sports as a catalyst to a career that you can bank on is for high schools, administration, quarterback clubs, booster clubs is a one to two hour recruiting deep dive and question and answering the ninth to 12th grade blueprint, what to expect, what the coaches and colleges are expecting, current college landscape going through that NIL, what to look for, how to navigate that properly, and evaluation of schools, 10 key checkpoints to what you need to look for in picking your school. Everything that we talk about is a business decision, and this kind of helps and give a roadmap and blueprint to making the best decisions for your football future. And we are back in it. Back to it. So we get into that. Now we're talking about like into the critical insights and specific knowledge during the transition. You know what I mean? So we talk about being a player, we talk about being a coach, and there's that space in the middle from the time that you were like, oh, I'm I'm done with football. You know, you always wanted to work with younger kids, so you had kind of your purpose or where you wanted to direct your efforts. How was the transition from the game for you? The the transition from the game is never pleasant. You know, because it's something you invested so much time in, so much passion and love and blood and sweat. You know, nobody, I don't feel like if you really went all in, the transition from the game is easy. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Uh, for me, you know, the transition from the game was I kept tearing my ACL. I kept having ACL surgery. Mm-hmm. So it was like, all right, how many times do you want to keep repeating this process? You know, 
because it wasn't a, my talent didn't fall off. I just kept getting injured. So I get into a starting lineup, ACL, right? When you get, and I never had an injury until the end of my college career. So it was like, okay, now we're at the, now we're about to get drafted and now my knees hurt. Like what the heck is going on? You know? So that transition was not, I wouldn't say it was for me, it was definitely uh, tough, you know, just being honest. I mean, no one, Mm -hmm. I don't know nobody who loves the game. It's just like, yeah, I'm hurt. I can't play. You know, like, but my transition that helped me was, was coaching, you know, um, what, what were those first transition jobs? Like you transition out, you're like, all right, I'm done with football. What was that first thing that was like, all right, I'm signing up for this. So basically I was, I was making a ton of money. You know how it is. You're on injury reserve and you get in that bag, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm still getting to the money. So I'm yeah. like, <laughs> I don't need to work. I'm chilling. Yeah. You know, yeah. so the first year I'm like, I, I'm not working. What do you mean? I'm you know, you got that lean mindset. You're like, I'm getting money. Like, what y'all talking about? Work. Working real? Like, hell no, I ain't working. So, um, you know, that next year, it was like, all right, my knee's still still not right. Still trying to get my knee right. And my boy was like, man, you should try coaching. You know, because you're just living that fast life. You partying, you hanging out. You just, you 21. You know, I was 21 when I went to the league. So I'm 21, you know, with a whole bunch of money just had a baby, just, you know, I'm like, I'm living, you know what I mean? You can't tell me nothing. I'm getting money. So regardless, you know, like I'm good. And, you know, my guy was like, man, you should just go help out this, this team, man. So I went and helped out this team. It was in Union City, California, which is kind of, you know, it's a little rough, rough area. We had kids from Oakland, Richmond on our team, you know, really rough part of the Bay area where I was rehabbing my knee at. Um, Dr. Ting, I don't know if you remember Dr. Ting, mm-hmm. but, you know, Dr. Ting was out there. And so I was rehabbing my knee with him and, you know, I, I started coaching, man. And I'm thinking like, Jay King, you know, my life story. Like I grew up rough, you know, single mom, sex day, struggling school to school, you know, real, real tough. And, and so I'm like, them kids made me cry. Like their life stories were like, I'm like, yo, you sleeping in the car with your dad? Like y'all ain't got nowhere to live. Like, I'm thinking like, yo, I got to tighten up. I'm over here telling people like I'm struggling my life hard. I'm like, yeah, I got to tighten up. These kids really going through it and had a smile on their face every day. And they was just looking at me like, yo, coach me. Like whatever I told them, if I told them kids like, yo, go pick up poop. It'll make you, it'll make you be a better football player. They would have did it. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, dang, they looking at me like that. And you know how the league is so hard on you when you get hurt. It's like, damn, you went from. I remember one day I'm like in a starting lineup and uh, I'm on ESPN first take. Then the next day I'm hurt. And it's like, yo, uh, pack your bag. Where you want us to send your check to? Yep. You know, we'll we'll reevaluate you in the spring. I'm like, God, dog. You know what I mean? Like the league is like cut. You know what I'm saying? And so when, when I started coaching them kids, man, that really just changed my life. I knew I wasn't going to play football ever again. Like I just knew that that was my deal. And like, at first the coach was like, man, just go out there and help the kids show them some drills. Da, da, da. And then like, you know, I was like, man, I, I love this. Like the first year I coached them kids, like I was all in them kids live with me. Right. You know, my kids living with me, staying with me. Like I was, I was like all in every day I was on it. Like, 
I was still transitioning out of that life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I was still living that life a little bit. We getting money, you know, but I mean, it was like, I got to be real to these kids. I'm telling them to slow down on what they doing. I got to be real, you know? And it's so it, it cleaned me up. It got me right. Uh, and so when I was doing that, it was like, you know, my family was like, man, you got to, you got to go back to the league, man. Da, da, da. You know, everybody's like, you got to, you got to go get that money, man. You got to keep playing. And you know how you used to, you start making 30 grand a week, yeah. 40 grand a week. You like, I don't want to, I don't know about no coaching, no real, you know what I mean? I don't know about that. Going through the hoops of coaching, getting into it, trying to find a, ask somebody for a job. Like, wait, what? I didn't, I'm about to. <laughs> I remember they gave me the coaching stipend. Cause they gave me the coaching stipend. It was like $500. That's <laughs> that be what i was like this is for the entire season he gave me 500 i was hey for the love of the game like you said (laughs) i'm like this is what coaches make heck no i ain't coaching nobody you know what i mean like nah dog we not you know what i mean so that's real i go the lockout starts so i'm training again in the off season i'm training hard the lockouts happens i'm like dang the eagles said they was gonna give me a look Cowboys, but then the lockout happens. So that kind of dries up and, you know, I'm impatient. You know, I have no patience. Like I, I pray for patience, but it's like, I needed, I needed it before the prayer was over. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It just don't happen. So it's like, man, what am I do? So I went to Canada and God works in mysterious ways. I go to Canada. My first day of practice up there, I tear my ACL again. Oh man. And so the next day I'm driving to the, I'm driving to the hospital. The Cowboys call me like, Hey man, we want you to come in for a workout. Ah. I'm like, man. So I have a bad surgery up there. Like they botched my knee surgery. It was bad. I'm like in ICU after the surgery. I'm, I like have a bad surgery. And when I was in ICU, man, I was like, man, I'm up here alone, man. Da, da, da. Like, and I just start writing football plays. I just got back in the football mode. I just remembered them kids. Like, Coach Marion, I just started remembering that, like all the, you know, like that true joy in your heart. You go back to, you know, when you're really on your last leg, you know what I'm saying? You like, man, you go back to the moments where you really was like happy. And so I just remember like my daughter out there running on the field and like coaching kids and being happy. And I'm like, yo, I'm coaching, man. I don't know what I got to do to get it done, but I'm going to just go all in on coaching. And like the same way I did as a football player, I'm like, eventually one day I'll be able to feed my family coaching the same way as you do as a football player. And I just went all in on it. When I went back to California, I I had a little small private school. I worked, I worked three jobs. I was training kids. I was coaching at a private school. I was, I was helping out at a junior college and I was doing admissions at a cop at this, uh, like, uh, it was a digital arts digital art school. I was doing the admissions there. So I'm working like four jobs, taking my just, daughter to school. I'm hustling. Just context. How old are you at this time? 25? 20? 20, I was 24? 24? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So 24. And then one day, like I'm coaching these kids, right? I'm, And it's good to be around people with money because people with money got vision. They got, they, they just see things different. Right. So I'm coaching at this school called Harker Academy and I had seven billionaires on our team. Like their family was worth billions. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm coaching these kids and they're like, coach, you set records, man. You, you made it to the league. Like you're way too big time to be here. You need to have your own program. You need to be ahead. Like they're hyping me every day. They're like gassing me. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
And so I'm teaching these kids like Asian and Indian kids that really never play football. You know what I'm saying? Like come from billionaire backgrounds. Right. And we like winning games and like scoring points. And we out there making plays versus black and white kids that have been playing football their whole life. I'm like, yo, I could really do this coaching. Like that's when I started thinking like, yo, I could really start coaching for real. Man, did the go-go, like this might be a little transition a little bit. Did the go-go offense kind of start out there dealing with those type of players? Like if you could yeah, talk to me a so little bit about I, the development of, you know, innovative coach, most people don't have their own offense. Can you talk to me a little bit about that and the development aspect of having play, having to draw stuff up with different type of players? So my grandfather taught me as a young kid to always, if you're going to be in anything, you need to research it and you need to study the greats, right? So my thing was, you know, all right, I'm, I'm getting serious about coaching now, right? And the only way I'm going to be able to develop as a coach is I need to get my own program. Mm. And so what I did was I applied for over two, 300 jobs all over the nation. I'm talking about all over the nation. I was like, yo, I'm all in. I'm all like, in. <laughs> when I say I'm all in, like to me, I'm all in. I'm, I'm, I'm butt naked in the, in the coach. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm all in. Yeah. And so like, I was like, all right, man, like I'm going to just apply to all these jobs and I'm applying and I'm applying. And I only got three interviews, right? Three interviews. The first two, I was nervous. By the third one, I was like, yo, if they just get me around the players and get me on the field, like I'm going to kill it. Like I, I know what to say already. Boom. I'm only 25. I'm 25. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. 24, 25. Like I don't, I don't really know the interview process. You know what I'm saying? I know it as a football player. Like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm hungry. You know what I mean? Not like, hello, sir. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, you know what I'm saying? So I'm on my Brian Gumble. I'm getting right. And, and I finally get the job. Now, mind you, the first job that I got had seven kids in the first meeting. They had a hazing scandal the year before. They didn't even have, like, the principal was like, if you can make a team, great. If you can't, like, we'll just cancel the program. You can teach. Da, 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 da. And, and I'm like, no, nah, bump that. We all in now. Like, yeah, we, we here. We straight. We here now. And so I get the job. And so, what I did was I was studying old coaches. Like, how did these coaches come up? Mike Holmgren, right? Bill Walsh, they started in high school. You know, I'm looking at Coach Malzahn. He started in high school. I'm looking at all these coaches. Todd Graham, they started in high school. Chad Morris, I'm looking at all these dudes that made a big splash in football. I'm like, okay, so somebody started here. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can start here and I can get my own program and I can do this. So, you know, I started putting this offense together and I'm like putting – putting all this stuff together, like all the stuff that I learned from different coaches. And I'm like, all right, what are our strengths? Who do we have? And I'm recruiting a team. So we went from seven players to 45. They were one and nine the year before we, we went to the playoffs the first year we had a JV and a varsity team. So like, I'm putting this stuff together. I'm like, let's go. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm, I'm packaging the plays. I'm, you know what I mean? And I'm just, I'm learning and I'm developing. And I remember the same way the kids hyped me up to get me the job. To, to get me to even think about the thought process to apply for the job right. was the same way that I became a college coach. So I'm running my practices. I took my, cause I keep all my scripts, right? So I got yeah. my NFL scripts from the dolphins and, and college and I'm running the practice just like it's an NFL practice. Okay. Right? Okay. And so when college coaches come to check out a couple of the kids that I had, they was like, yo, you're very detailed. You're very organized. Right. And so I'm on the internet. And I'm like looking at scouting reports. How do NFL scouts do a scouting report? Right. And so I'm showing them my kids like 
you you'll appreciate this as a personnel guy. I'm like, this guy's is is D one. This guy's lower tier D one. This guy's D two. And then I'm giving their measurables, their their story, their GPA. Like I got this all mapped out as a high school coach. I'm 25. Right. My, my office is in, in the boys' bathroom, B. Like, <laughs> no talk. My office was in the boys' bathroom. Like, I remember Jim Moore and his staff came from UCLA. They like, yo, you in the you in the boys' bathroom. Like, yeah, like my office is, I got an office and everything. And I'm making this school look like it's like big time. Like people's coming, like I got full staffs coming. Wow. And they're like, damn, your practice is organized. We got a weight schedule. Like everything's on point. You see what I'm saying? And, 100%. and they started telling me like, yo, you got, you're going to be a big time coach one day. You're going to be a college coach. You need to coach college. <laughs> well, who's the first coach to say that to you? Oh man. The first coach that said that to me was Tosh Lapole, who went to, he's the D coordinator at Oregon. Okay. And then there was a guy, Fred Gaducci, who's at, uh, he's the special teams coordinator at San Jose state. They used to okay. always come to my school because I had this six, seven dude that I converted from a basketball player, got him to play football. Wow. Okay. That's and they used to come see him and they used to watch how I was working. They're like, yo, you really got this. And I'm talking about like, I didn't, you know, California, you don't got a big budget. So I hardly have any coaches. I got like three, four coaches out there. So we're doing like, I'm coaching the offensive line, the defensive, like we're doing like county fair. I got stations and drills and I'm in the middle and I'm going to each one. Like I got the DBs over here. I got the receivers over. I got the quarterbacks here. I got the running backs, O-line, D-line. And I'm like going around and doing the drills. Right. Boom. Bringing them together, doing the drills together. Boom. Coming back out. Like I'm really like getting to it. You know what I'm saying? And so they was like, man, this dude, this young dude is really out here hungry. I'm tattooed up. I'm uh-huh. working. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And so they really respected that. And so you know, I was like, man, everybody's like, man, you could go bigger, man. You can, you can really do this. So I applied or to a, to a job in Pennsylvania. I'm like Pennsylvania football serious. You know, I'm like Pennsylvania or Texas. I got to go there. Yep. Cause this is where like, I got to go somewhere where I can make an impact and people can really appreciate what I'm doing. So when I went to Pennsylvania, it was a quad a school. So I'm 25 and I got a quad A job. I'm the youngest black head coach, like I think ever hired in the state of Pennsylvania. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And this interview is serious. So I'm gonna tell you how, like, when you talk about like going all in, this interview is serious. Like, there's like a, a guy running for Senate. You know, they got the whole, like, there's like 12 people around the table, right? Right. And I'm like, I promise you, if y'all give me this job. I guarantee you will have success, not this year, not, not only this year, but in all the years to come, this program will be successful. Uh-huh. And I, I'm like, I will stand on the table and I get up <laughs> and get like, put my foot on the table. And the lady's like, no, sit down, sit down, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> and I got the job. Got it. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> and, and so I got that job. And that's when I, the offense did, everybody knows is the go-go. It started out in California. I started playing with it. But when I got to Pennsylvania, that's when I went wholesale with it. Gotcha. And that's the offense that everybody, you know, so when we got to D.C. and I was at Howard, how I got to Howard and all this stuff is how you treat people is important. You know, how you make people feel, how they, you know what I'm saying? So Brandon London was my teammate on the Dolphins. Okay. His dad is Mike London, right? Mike London is the, the head coach at the University of Virginia at the time when I'm at. Waynesboro, Pennsylvania. Yep. Right. 
That's what I'm talking about. I, I got two brothers on my team. Okay. <laughs> all right. So a football team with two brothers probably ain't. Yeah, yeah. That, that ain't. That, that, so, that good. That, that so we got all we got we got we got my country boys and we go up to, to UVA's camp, seven on seven camp. There's Gonzaga, that man. I'm talking about the big boys. Up yeah. There. You know what I'm saying? The heavy hitters in football. And we go up there and we and we shine and we and Coach London was like, yo, who's this dude? And it's like what I told the kids earlier. It's like make an impact when you go to camp. That's I big. shook his hand. I was like, Coach, I appreciate you letting me get in your camp, but we came here to win this thing. <laughs> That's big, man. I love the fact that you said, like, even from the standpoint, once you realized you had a blueprint, you came up with a blueprint. You started seeing, like, all right, how do these guys get there? You talk about home grin and looking at these other coaches, seeing that they started in high school, like, getting your thing together. And like you said, you jumped, dove all the way in. Like you didn't just lollygag and kind of play around with the high school thing. No, you was like, I'm, I'm on point. I'm going to have uh, scout, uh, scouting reports on point. I'm going to have my, my boys looking right when colleges come in. I'm going to be pro- professional as a coach and all that stuff. Because I think a lot of times, sometimes when players transition, they forget about the, you know, the prof- I can't even say the professional aspect, but like the, almost the administration aspect of the bit of the of the coaching job and all those yeah, things that come with being a head coach you know what yeah, i'm saying that's that rough for a lot of guys because it's just like you see that money and you see that praise of being a player and it's hard for guys to turn that switch off and you know when you're a good player you know when you become a good or great player right when you was really on your a game when you were shining at penn state everybody was serving you Right. You know what I'm saying? Same thing. When I became 1,200 yard, 11, you know, like when I was that dude, it was like everybody was like, Brennan Marion, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. I love you. I love you. I love you. It was all about me. It was like my show. You know what I'm saying? But when you get into coaching or you get into any type of administrator, it's like you're trying to make everybody else this show. You're trying to serve them. You're trying to make them important. You know what I'm saying? And not every guy has to the capability to turn that ego off. So I see guys say all the time, it's hard for players to transition into coaching. No, it's not. It's hard for you because you can't turn off. I was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Look at me. You know what I'm saying? And and that's the hardest part. You know, it's it's hard to turn yourself off and turn everybody else on. You know what I'm saying? And so when I went all in to coach and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to let these dudes disrespect me and tell me I'm a young coach and I'm not there yet. And da, 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 all that stuff. Cause I wasn't, uh-huh. but I'm going to just really? be all about the kids. I'm going to serve these kids and we're going to get right. And we're going to, we're going to make the big time wherever we at. You know what I mean? I went to the two worst programs in both States. I took over the worst program in the state of California and I took over the worst program in the state of Pennsylvania. And now them are both one, one state championship. Waynesboro, we raised $2 million and they won and they're good every year now. And everybody knows Waynesboro's program. It's like, cause I was like, yo, this is the big time. We here, let's go. Like, I didn't care that nobody, you know, it was like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was just like, we're going to make this Alabama. We're going to make this Texas. Man, that's, that's big. Just like making an impact. Like you said, like wherever you're at, leaving that impact, making that impact there in California. I remember because I, I was just transitioning out of the league when you got the job at Waynesboro. I think you were having a fundraiser. I think you invited me to like a bowling joint. I was like, Waynesboro, where is he coaching that right now? <laughs> like, yeah, I remember you having success in California, but then next thing you know, he was at um, uh, Howard. But like, that's, that's amazing. Like just hearing us, like just hearing a story. And, and for guys that I understand, 
the operation and where he was being led. Like he was going kind of like based on his purpose and his passions and what he was doing. Like he was giving to the kids. And he, like he said, show some humility as you're transitioning out as a football player, man. There's like things that you do have. And like when you do humble yourself, like B. Mary's not saying that he didn't know that what he didn't know. Like he still knew offense. Like he still understood the things that he knew, but he let himself be malleable enough to be able to learn the aspects of being a coach to kind of create this dynamic coach that, that is extremely rare that's out there, that anybody that has kind of his vantage point and all those things. But in order to get that, kind of like he's saying, is you have to take onus of that and being able to let that in. So as we're getting into the current, as you're now like, you know, the receiver coach at UT, what would be the ideal personality, like type or player that would lend well following your post-career path to, you know, receiver coach in a power five program? Um, I've seen so many guys get into football in so many different ways. You just have to find what your value is and you got to double down on that. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing is you just got to stay humble and you got to just stay about the kids because at the end of the day, you can fool everybody, but you cannot fool the kids. And now harder than ever, because now these kids have a platform to say something, you know, we come from, the old school militant era of do whatever your coach tells you. Don't say nothing. Be quiet. Yes, sir. No, sir. I'm going to just do what my coach told me to do. These kids want to know why they want to, they want to feel that vibe. They want to know how you're treating them. And then they can go tweet about you. They can go Instagram about you. They can, they can put it out there, but like, yo, this dude's really not that type coach. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, the greatest thing for me is people say, oh, you jump jobs and da da da, because I've been promoted every year. Like I've went up every year. Exactly. And I promise the kids on day one, every group of kids I get with, I'm going to give you my best every single day. And I'm going to force you to be the best possible version of yourself every day. And the kids never feel like, yo, this dude, they know for a fact, like, yo, this dude gave me everything. Like, this dude got me right. Like, this dude was invested in me. Like, he was about me. Like, nothing was better than when I got to UT and all my pit players calling me like, yo, we love you, dog. We yeah. proud of you. You doing it big. Yeah. Da, da, da. Like, that's, for? I don't care what a fan says, what a hater say, what my mama say. The players that I'm serving and I'm I'm with every day that I'm in the trenches with, you know what I'm saying? They go, they respect me. And that's what's most important to me. So I think that, you know, however the avenue that you get in to where you're at, you got to, what's your value point, right? Um, You know, you got to be willing to be real with the kids, love the kids, serve the kids. And I think another thing that, that, that is missed is, you know, what gets you, what got you and won't keep you in, you know, the same way that I said about the player, you know, right. Coaches, I've seen so many guys fail that have gotten roles and then they failed because they they got in for a certain specific reason, but they didn't learn anything else. You know, they didn't grow anywhere else. You know what I'm saying? And it's like that might have got you there. You know, you might have been able to recruit a certain guy or you might be super smart or, you know, whatever it is, you added value in a certain way that got you in the building, but that didn't keep you in the building. That didn't grow you because you weren't trying to you know, develop, you know, as a, you know, the same thing you're telling people to develop and get better. Are are you developing and getting better? Are you learning new things? Are you bringing new things to the table? 
That's so true, man. Like, are you developing, continuing to get better because there's the next person coming up? And like you said, when you get there, there's always guys or transfer portal with different things going on. Like, what won't get you there won't keep you there. So it's like, keep evaluating, keep sharpening them skills as you continue to go. For those guys that are coming in, you know, a player, and I want to be a coach one day, man. Be married. It's like, I man, I want to, I want to do what he does. I can play this football thing. What can they do while? What can a player do while they're playing to prepare to be a coach or make that transition? I think one of the things that 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 holds a lot of weight, I think all quarterbacks should get into coaching just because they spend the most time, I think, with the coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but you are with guys that, you know, like if you're at a big time program, you're with some master coaches. You know, if you're at a if you're at a Texas, you're at a like, for example, I'll just I'll just hype up our head coach. If I'm at Texas and I got Coach Sarkeesian, who's been a quarterback at BYU. He's coached with the Raiders. He's coached with the Falcons. He's coached at Alabama. He's coached at USC, Washington. This man has been multiple places. He's got a lot of football information. He's probably forgot more football than he knows. And I can just soak that up all day. I can get a notebook and just, I can sit in a room with him and just, all right, get this note, get this little nugget. You see what I'm saying? I can see how he coaches, right? There's been coaches that you've been around where it's like, yo, this dude got a wealth of knowledge. If I can just get like 10% of what this dude knows, like 10% of it is going to make me like, you know what I'm saying? And so it's like those little times where you're like, you're BSing in study hall or you're, you're hanging out somewhere, you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. You could be spending that with the coaches who are in there all day anyways. And you could be getting yourself right. And so some of the guys that I've had, like I got a guy at Florida State, I got a guy at Howard, I got a guy, you know, is coaching uh, at William and Mary, another guy coaching at Western Michigan, like all these young guys that came up under me right. when I was a college coach and they went off other places. It's because they hung out with me in the coach's office. What are you what are you looking at right there, coach? Where's the players I supposed to be? What's the what's the front? What's the what's the coverage? What's the blitz? You know, you're adding value. You're learning knowledge. When the recruiting comes up, you know, I used to, I always knew I'd be a good recruiter because at Tulsa, when the guys came, I was the one who they stayed with. <laughs> you know what I mean? I remember like, experience, man. You know what I'm saying? And it's those little things that players forget that they did, that you have experience. If you've ever did the recruiting weekends and you got a kid to commit and you was with them all weekend and da, 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 I mean, that's, that's about 25% right there. You know, about 25% of the recruiting process right there. That's so true. That critical you learning piece for going through the process like you're talking about, like understanding those things and taking advantage and being on the offense of those opportunities. If you know that's what you want to do, like if you want to be a coach, pull from like the great coaches that you're around. If you want to recruit, like be professional around the building and deal with the recruits when they come up because like these are the same people that when you transition out of the game, maybe it's three years from now, four or five years from now, they're going to their first recall of you is going to be how you operate in the building. If you're somebody that was always late, somebody doing this, that, and the third, he was a great player, probably not put you on my staff, dog. Like, that's just kind of how it's going to operate until you kind of prove your way. And, you know, that's kind of a, a, a big thing that you kind of put it on where you talked about having some humility about how you approach things and taking advantage of the critical learning opportunities while you're within the, in the building. So the transition to like young coaches, specifically high school coaches, we touched on it a little bit earlier and young position position coaches, any advice to move up into college coaching ranks from a high school coach to move up to college or is just somebody in college to continue to move up? 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing when it comes to the to moving up process for me is the performance of your players. Mm-hmm. That's always your resume. Like, what do they put on tape? I don't care. It's like I heard this Oprah quote, you know, like, if you make French fries, like, at McDonald's, say there's a McDonald's in Wilkinsburg, and they always got the hottest fries. And there's a, I live in Monroeville, and they fries is cold as hell. I'm going to go to Wilkinsburg to go get the hot fries. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it don't matter where you're at in the world, how low the job is. Like, if you perform and produce and people see that, they're going to want to learn, okay, what, what's he doing over there? Mm-hmm. You know, especially in the in the entertainment world. We're in the social media world. You got Twitter. You got Facebook. You got how many? There's so many apps. No, there's an app for everything. You can app everything. There's some app for anything. And so somebody sees somebody doing something at a high level, they respect that. You know what I'm saying? They got to respect it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like this year, me and Jordan Addison always talked about, like, we ain't never broke again because my baby won the Bolitnikov. So we like, yeah. we live forever. I know at the end of the day, I could always fall back and be somebody's receiver coach because somebody's going to want to know how my man won the Bolitnikov. He knows. He's like, man, for the rest of my life, if, if I go to the league for 10 years or I go for two two weeks, I know I could be a receiver trainer because I won the Bolitnikov. I was. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like that's real. Good. That's real. That's like what you can bank on. Like that's a lot, definitely transitional skills. Like man, that's that's huge production and impact. It's kind of like at the end of the day, young coaches, high school, young position coaches, man, have be produce where you're at and have make an impact and continue to move up. And like you said, like those things open everybody, doors. Everybody screams like, "I want the next job! I want the next job!" And it's like, look. I've been grinding, B, like grinding. You know what I'm saying? Like seven day on it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I've been D2, you know what I'm saying? Like D2, my running back won All-American. I never coached running backs in my life. <laughs> I ain't played running back since Little League. Right. He was, he was All-American. Then I went to Howard. I had the number one freshman quarterback in the nation that was a walk-on, Cam Newton's little brother, Kalen. And we had the biggest upset in college football history. You, yep, see, you see what right. I'm saying? Then the next year, we had like three or four All-Americans, right? Then I went to William Mary. We had like three or four freshman All-Americans. You see what I'm saying? And I went to Hawaii, and we had the top returner, receiver guy. We had a dude that got picked up in the league, right? Then I go to Pitt. We have – it's about producing. Produce. You know what I'm saying? At the current job that you have, wherever it's at. However big it is, however small it is, it's like, okay, like what, can, what? What are you going to tell me that you, you do? Like that business card don't mean nothing. So what that you sat up under some other coach for ten years? What did you do with what you had? You know, because at some point your connections is going to run out. That's yeah, true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Flare and flash and all that's going to run out. At some point, it's going to be like. What did you do? The proofs you know, and the pudding, man. The proofs and the pudding, cream rise to the top. And all those things, man, production and impact. Like you're killing the game, again, by production, at every producing immense value everywhere you go, everywhere you stop. Like you just kind of highlighted from Hawaii to D.C., producing, bringing out the best in players and all that good stuff. What people want to know is what's your end goal, your career end goal? Uh 
you know, I I had this plan when I was a player, you know, that I said I'd play forever and do all that, you know what I mean? So I kind of just let God work it out. You know, the, the, the big thing for me is, you know, like, obviously the most important goal for me is to become a head coach again. Uh, but not for myself, not to say, look at me, but I, I miss being able to give multiple people opportunities uh, to grow. You know, I just think of, of a story like when I was a head coach at Waynesboro, my cousin, you know, wasn't doing much. You know, he was just working at the Y and Penn Hills. And I told him to come up, come coach football with me. You always love ball. He played D2 ball. He played arena ball. I'm like, yo, you love football. Like, just come up here with me. We'll work it out. Stay with me. You know what I mean? Like, we'll figure it out. And now he's making six figures and, you know, living a good life, you know what I mean? Taking care of his family. And that's the biggest, like, being a head coach, man, you just have so many opportunities to impact so many people. And that takes me back to what I originally wanted to do growing up, you know, have a community center, help people see their dreams and take off. And I know one day if I'm blessed enough to be a head coach, I'll be able to do that, help a lot of, you know, not only players, but just people in general, you know, just you don't know, like giving that lady who cleans out the trash or her son gets to go to school for free at the school. And then he takes off and does something big and changes their family life forever. You know what I mean? Like you just don't know how many people you can really help creating that web. You know what I'm saying? When you when you get at the top, you can create that web that just branches out and helps a lot of people. So that's really my ultimate goal. That's that's amazing, man. The head man, not just because it's for him, but like to understand, like putting people in place in all the lives that head coaches affect. That's so important that you say that because sometimes I see players when, you know, coaches lose jobs. It's like, oh, we as players, we had to move and things of that nature. And just understanding, you know, like when a head coach gets fired, there's like 50, 60 people, you know, that don't make a hundred thousand dollars that have to continue to move and find new opportunities and just understanding those. Uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's another industry in there. So like, thanks for sharing that and like the impact to have that. And thanks again for joining us on the Blueprints of Success series. But like B. Marion said, from all the places that he stopped, he's produced, produced and made an impact where he was like make the best opportunities of where he, where he wanted to be. Never stopped believing in himself, whether it was coming out of high school, going to JUCO, going to another JUCO and making the best of the critical experiences that he had to continue to propel him to the next uh to the next phase and now being at you know the university of texas the past game coordinator and receivers coach at ut you know just seeing that the the path continue to go along so as we got to learn about his blueprint to success guys can take things from it and kind of apply it to you whether you're a player coach or even a parent remember to like and subscribe uh to this to the podcast and download the blue chat Blue chip checklist, you know, everything we can continue to evaluate these schools. Everybody has a, everybody has their own football journey. Remember to keep sharpening and take advantage of yours. And again, I'm your host, Justin King. Thank you for joining us. Life is good. It is my dog. Appreciate you, baby. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Blue Chip Academy. To help navigate the recruiting waters, LIG Sports Group put together a Blue Chip Recruiting Checklist. Download your checklist at LIGsports.com Blue Chip Academy to ensure you're making informed decisions through this process. Hit subscribe and check out the LIG Sports Group Football Ops and Recruiting YouTube channel, where we'll talk about the recruiting and other critical points in the football ecosystem. If you're feeling stressed, confused, 
or just want help putting together a blue chip blueprint for you and your son, don't hesitate to book a console call with me at LIGsports.com backslash blue chip academy. Remember, everyone has a different journey. Keep sharpening and remember that you can only go to one school. Just make sure that you have your blue chip blueprint together and execute it. Life is good. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.